Why would a person be considered a spiritual babe? What is the word of righteousness? So what's the big deal about righteousness? Hello, I'm Mark Van Oos, and welcome again to the Daily in Christ podcast. We are in our series called Hebrews, the Glory of the New Covenant. Well, last week, uh, in the last episode, we took some time to step back, zoom out, and see the all-important context, not only for the book of Hebrews, but of the whole Bible. And that great context is the Father God. It's the Father's love. And that Father love, doing all, giving all, in and through Jesus, His Son, to bring home many sons and daughters. I encourage you, if you didn't have a chance to hear that podcast, it's an important one. Stop by our website and uh, you can hear it. And don't forget also that you can subscribe to our podcast via the iTunes store. All of that information is available at our website, dailyinchrist.org. That's dailyinchrist.org. Well, let's dig into the subject for this week. And uh, this week, we return to our chapter-by-chapter study of Hebrews. Today, we're looking at Hebrews beginning in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 12, and running through Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3. It's important for us to grasp and understand who Jesus is and the fact that what he accomplished for us 2,000 years ago makes us righteous. That's what Hebrews is really all about. It's about the perfection of the righteousness of Jesus and the perfection of all he did in righteousness for us on our behalf 2,000 years ago. And the result is that makes us righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, and I love this verse. God made him, him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that we would be made in him the righteousness of God. Jesus was made into something he was not, sin, so that we would be made into something we are not, righteous. And so we are indeed righteous, not because we do righteousness or we've failed to do righteousness, but rather we're righteous because God has made us righteous based on on Jesus. Now, if you've read the Bible to any degree, you know that righteousness is a major theme in the Bible. And yet, righteousness is the most misunderstood thing. You see, righteousness speaks of a right relationship with God and others. Unfortunately, most of the church for quite a long time has been poisoned and paralyzed with a sin consciousness, not a righteousness consciousness. And this has been uh, unfortunately driven by endless messages on how sinful we are, how we need to clean up our acts, how we are a mixture of good and evil, a new godly nature along with a sinful, unholy, and ungodly nature. Meantime, there are almost no messages on righteousness being accomplished by Jesus' finished work. That's the chief subject of Hebrews. In fact, Hebrews is rarely referenced and rarely preached on in most modern pulpits. And yet, because of what Jesus Christ did, 
in the perfection of his person, in the perfection of his performance already accomplished, we are made righteous by God himself. As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, there are no, almost no messages that we hear on that theme, however, and there are almost no messages on the fact that we are new creations in Christ, that the old has passed away and all has become new. This crippling and deadly sin consciousness thrives when we think that God is relating to us and blessing us on the basis of our performance. That's law. Instead of understanding that God is relating to us and blessing us on the basis of Christ and his finished work 2,000 years ago. You see, when we preach messages, whether they would be messages from the pulpit, messages heard on radio or TV or CDs or MP3s on the internet or books or tracts or whatever, and it's focused on us. And it's not focused on Jesus Christ. What that does is that poisons us. That keeps us trapped in uh, a sin conscious. And as we will see, it keeps us stunted in our spiritual growth, even to the point of being spiritual babes. You know, such sin consciousness destroys faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. But if we operate with a sin consciousness, if we think somehow that my Christian life is dependent upon my performance, it's like sucking the oxygen out of your faith life. And sin consciousness ruins our sense of confidence to approach God and enjoy his fellowship. Sin consciousness sucks us into the vortex of self, sin, self-focus, striving and struggling. And this sin consciousness makes us like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal. It makes us think that we are slaves in the father's house, when in fact we are dearly loved and richly blessed sons and daughters of our heavenly father. See, that's what sin consciousness does. And we want to bring to the four today, as we go into Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, the reality of the problem of sin consciousness and the reality of a righteousness con- uh, consciousness. And as we'll see as we begin today in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, we can see that this sin consciousness, this lack of understanding of righteousness already given to us, that we are already made righteous in Christ, that stunts our spiritual growth. It deprives us of the vast privileges we have as sons and daughters of Father God. Now, two episodes ago in this series, we talked about the problem of dullness of hearing. That, that was earlier in Hebrews chapter 5. And this dullness of hearing, and that's very much analogous to a natural form of dullness of hearing. You know, you have a person who's been exposed to a lot of loud noises, and typically after a period of time, their hearing will lose its ability to perceive in the higher frequency range. So it's very hard to discern um, syllables. It's very hard to hear people. Maybe uh, 
It's hard to hear a conversation in a crowded restaurant, let's say. And so the result is a dullness of hearing. Well, just like that natural form of dullness of hearing, we can experience a spiritual dullness of hearing brought on by constant, incessant messages that are focused on self instead of Christ, based on human performance, our performance, instead of Christ's performance already accomplished, and messages all the time that breed this sin consciousness because they are law-based instead of being grace-based. And just like natural dullness of hearing, spiritual dullness of hearing makes it so that we can't hear truth, the truth that sets us free clearly. We can't distinguish between real righteousness from God through Christ as opposed to false righteousness from self, self-righteousness. And that dullness of hearing makes it so that we can't receive the glorious news of the new creation, being the righteousness of God, enjoying life as the Father's beloved sons and daughters, and being joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's what spiritual dullness of hearing does. Okay, well, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. And actually, let's, uh, let's take a moment and read verses 12 through 14 to start off. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, that's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Let's look at verse 12. Read it again. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You see, it says that you ought to be teachers. Now, these folks have been taught long enough that to the point where not only are they not spiritual babes, but they are actually, they could be teachers. But unfortunately, they still need to be taught the first principles of the oracles of God. They are immature meaning that they still need milk, not solid food. You know, think of a baby for a minute. You know, generally we think of a baby as someone under, I don't know, age two, right? And when you have a baby, there's a certain kind of diet. You don't slap a steak down on a plate to a a baby who is 18 months old. It just doesn't work. But what if you had a (laughs) 16-year-old? And that 16-year-old said, I can't eat steak. I can't do this. I can't do this. Please give me baby food. Well, we would know right away that something is wrong with that 16-year-old. Well, that picture in the natural is really the picture of the problem in the spiritual that's being brought up here in Hebrews chapter 5. And we see in verse 13, it says, For... Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, this is bringing clarification into the problem. 
Okay, so what's the problem with these 16-year-olds, to continue with the physical analogy, eating baby food? What's happening with these people that they should not only be grown up, but man, they should be teachers. Why are they still needing baby food? Well, the problem is that they are unskilled in the word of righteousness. And that's why they're still a spiritual babe. A babe, a spiritual babe here in this context is one unskilled in the word of righteousness. Okay, well, that raises the obvious question. Well, what is the word of righteousness? Well, the subject of righteousness comes up a lot certainly in the book of Hebrews, but even more predominantly, that word comes up in the book of Romans over and over and over and over and over again. Righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says that it is a righteousness from God by faith. So this word of righteousness as defined in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, which by the way, is the revelation of the gospel. You know, we know Romans 1.16 that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Verse 17, Romans 1.17 says this, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. At the core, this is the word of righteousness, Romans 1.17. The Bible uh, says right there in Romans 1.17 that the just, the righteous, will live by faith. That is also seen in three other um, very dominant places of Scripture, in Habakkuk 2.4, also in Galatians 3.11 and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus himself is the king of righteousness, and this idea has been introduced in our study so far in Hebrews. It'll be brought up more in Hebrews chapter 7. He is the um, priest according to the order of Melchizedek, and Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Jesus is a priest king of righteousness, and Jesus is made righteousness unto us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says that God has, um, of God are we in Christ, who has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Righteousness is not an it. Righteousness is ultimately God himself, Christ himself. Christ is made unto us righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that says that Jesus was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Again, we're talking about what is this word of righteousness that is uh, being talked about here in Hebrews chapter 5. So we are made righteous. That's an extremely important concept. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to understand this. A person is righteous not because of what they do, or they're unrighteous because of what they fail to do. 
A person is righteous because they have been made righteous by God who is righteous. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus was made sin. Did Jesus do sin? No. And yet he was made sin. Why? For us, that we would become the righteousness of God in him. We are made righteous because he was made sin. Okay, if you go to Romans chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 5, I want you to see this. So flip your Bible back a couple of books to uh, Romans chapter 10. And I'm turning there myself. And let's begin reading in verse 5. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these those things shall live by them. Now I want to stop right there and just say that uh, you've got the righteousness which is from the law, which really is a righteousness that basically makes a demand upon our righteousness. The law is one of the most misunderstood, misused, mistaught things, I think, in the whole Bible. The law is not meant to make us righteous. We don't become righteous by doing the law. The law is a ministry of death and condemnation. Why? Because the the purpose of the law is to say to, to man, you think you're God? You think you're righteous? Okay, do it. And that's why it says there, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. By the way, that's the the essence of the law, and that's found in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. Continuing with Romans chapter 10, verse 6, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Again, this is the word of righteousness. It's not a word to you that says, do this, do this, don't do that. That's law, the ministry of death and condemnation. Rather, the righteousness, the word of righteousness, is that righteousness comes from God alone. And it is received not by law, not by your doing, not by your failures. Rather, it is received by faith. It is that word of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus is the chief subject of the book of Hebrews and all that he accomplished. Now read this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, or let me share this with you. You don't have to turn to it. The Apostle Paul, and you remember that the Apostle Paul in his former life was a Pharisee. I mean, he was a Jew's Jew. He was born of the right tribe at the right time. He had the highest training. Um, He was a student, a disciple of Gamaliel. He was 
not just any old Jew. He was a Pharisee and not just any old Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And yet here's what he had to say in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Speaking of Jesus and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Now, you've, you've got to see this. This is critical. What kind of righteousness does the law produce? Well, it says right here, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. That ministry of the law is, like I said just a moment ago, basically says to a person, okay, you think you're God? You think you're righteous? Here's the list. Do it all. Do it all perfectly. Do it right from the heart and you'll be blessed. And if you fail once, you're cursed. And the Bible says that anybody who is under the law is therefore under a curse. Do you know anybody who performs the law perfectly all the time? from the heart, nobody but one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's not the righteousness which is from the law, but the word of righteousness, right here in Philippians 3, 9, is that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So what's the bottom line here? Spiritual immaturity looks to self for righteousness, self-righteousness, one's own righteousness by law. Spiritual maturity, on the other hand, looks in faith to Christ for all, including as our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness, and we are 100% righteous already because we have been made righteous Because Jesus is perfectly righteous and he has accomplished all righteousness. And that final theme there is what Hebrews is all about. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5, getting back into Hebrews chapter 5, flip a few pages forward. Verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. Um, Jameson Fawcett Brown and their commentary say this, to discern both good and evil as a child, no longer an infant, Isaiah 7, 16, so able to distinguish between sound and unsound doctrine. The mere child puts into its mouth things hurtful and things nutritious without discrimination, but not so the adult. The writer of Hebrews again alludes to their tendency not to discriminate, but to be carried away by strange doctrines in Hebrews 13.9. And let me quote Hebrews 13.9. It says this, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Did you catch it? The, it is good for the heart to be established, to be grounded, to be caused to stand by grace. That's in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 19. Well, we're going to move into chapter 
Hebrews chapter 6 because the first three verses kind of continue this thought. Um, You know, the Bible chapters and verses didn't exist in the original texts. They were brought in later for our convenience, and most of the time they're in good places. This place is not a good uh, chapter demarcation. Nonetheless, let's move into Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and read verses 1 to 3 to continue the thought. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Well, first of all, it speaks of elementary principles. These are the very, you know, again, the writer of Hebrews is looking to them and going, I don't get it. Why don't you understand what we've been trying to say to you over and over and over again? You've heard this so many times. You should not only not be babes, you should be grown up. You should actually be teachers. But their problem was dullness of hearing. And that dullness of hearing was fostered by um, not being established in the word of righteousness. Instead, hearing messages all the time, law-based messages, as I said earlier, about what you should do rather than preaching Christ and what he has accomplished. Well, it says repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Well, what is meant by dead works? Well, Dead works is turning away from self-righteousness. Dead works are the works that are done out of me by the law, which is really in a death condition. The entire human race is born in sin, born in first Adam, born under condemnation, objects of wrath, and they're actually in a death condition. They're not in a life condition. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned and fell. God separated them from the garden, from the tree of life. They moved into a death condition. Christ has remediated that. He has changed it, and he has brought us into life. That's why if you go through the Gospel of John, the subject of life comes up over and over and over again. Jesus says in in, uh, John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So life is Christ. Dead works is me. It's doing things out of me rather than upon reliance upon Christ in me. So repentance literally means, the Greek word is metanoia, meaning change of mind. Well, what do we need to change our mind from? Well, we need to turn our thinking, the stinking thinking of dead works, what I do for God, the dead works of the law, self-righteousness, and turn faith toward God, looking to God for all and not me. It is this righteousness by faith, not self-righteousness by the law, which looks to your own doing. You understand that? So it's repentance from the dead works done in the death condition under the ministry of death, which is the law, and a change of mind toward faith 
toward God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what needs to be done. It's that, um, you know, that, that's right at the very beginning. Unfortunately, we don't teach this to brand new Christians. We don't tell them, look, Christianity is not based on the Christian. It's not Christian-centered. It's Christ-centered. Christianity is not based on what you do for God, pass or fail. Christianity is based on what Christ has already done, and he's now alive, living in you. So it's not a thing of striving and struggling and trying and trying and doing the law and doing the law and doing the law. You're not under the law. You're under grace. It's the grace life. And so that really should be getting in at the very beginning of when a person first becomes a Christian. Unfortunately, most pastors don't even know that truth. And so they're teaching dead works. They're teaching works righteousness. They're teaching everything but Jesus Christ. It's Christian-centered and not Christ-centered. So spiritual maturity then is at the heart receiving the word of righteousness, and it's, it's looking to Christ for all. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again. Okay, well, it's time to move on, isn't it? You know, if you have a person who was eating baby food, well, that's good while they were an infant, while they were a baby, but it's not good if they are a teenager or they're an adult or an older person. I mean, there's a place for baby food, but then there is the place for solid food. It's time to move on. Again, I had mentioned repentance from dead works, works of the law, works righteousness, done not by the Holy Spirit, but with the flesh. There's more of that in Romans chapter 8. It is the exact opposite of faith and grace. And again, it says faith toward God, and, and implicit in that is grace. This uh, reminds me of what is in Romans chapter 4, verse 16. There is so much in the book of Romans on this subject of righteousness, the word of righteousness, faith, and grace. But let me draw out Romans chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, and remember that the Bible says in four key places that the just shall live by faith. In Romans 4, 16, it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, speaking of the natural Jew, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Again, that's in Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Connect the dots. It is by faith that it would be according to grace. Grace is God loving you, blessing you, and accepting you, not because of you or not hindered by you, but because of himself, because of Jesus, who he is, and what he has accomplished. Faith toward God is grace. And it says to leave this elementary discussion, come on, let's grow up now. And where are we going? Where are we moving into? Well, we're moving into the place of fully realizing that we are 100% righteous because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, let me just 
say something that's very important. You know, righteous and righteousness are words we use a lot because they're in the Bible a lot. And I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that righteousness is one of the most misunderstood things, I think, in all of the church. Because when the subject of righteousness comes up, the subject of that discussion is not Jesus and his finished work. The subject is frequently us. And you're, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. You should do that. Look, if you're hearing should, you're hearing law. The word of faith looks to Christ and sees Christ in me and I in Christ and saying, I am complete. I am 100% righteous because I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ because Christ was made sin for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. You see, when we have the benefit of righteousness, and righteousness is right standing with God and, and with others, the benefit of righteousness is the benefit of relationship and closeness and intimacy of relationship. See, if we're bothered by a sin consciousness, if we're bothered by an unrighteous mentality, does that tend to cause us to want to run to God and enjoy his presence? No. It didn't for Adam and Eve. What did they do when they fell and they became unrighteous? They hid. They were afraid. They covered themselves up with fig leaves. Maybe God won't see. It totally disrupted their fellowship, their relationship with God. That's the key thing of righteousness. Righteousness brings us in. It brings us close to God. It brings us into a state where all is okay. That's what righteousness, true righteousness is. Well, how do I become righteous? It's not based on what you do or what you fail to do. It's based on the king of righteousness, Jesus, and what he has already accomplished for you 2,000 years ago. And because he, who is the king of righteousness, lives inside of you and you are in him, right? The reality of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So now we're living our lives out of the righteousness place, living our lives as new creations, living our lives as beloved sons and daughters. Don't you love what it says over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1? I want to flip over there. This, this is such a blessing because this is really a demonstration of the love of God. 1 John chapter 3 Beginning in verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, verse 2, Now we are children of God. Read it for yourself in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Isn't that magnificent? So, moving on is really moving from that those old thinking patterns of sin consciousness. No, there is no sins. There is full remission through Jesus Christ. We are no longer sinners because we've been made righteous. 
And by the way, that whole subject of not being sinners and not having a sin nature, I spend a whole lot of time in a very helpful series called Living in the Reality of Perfect Sanctification. That's available at our website at dailyinchrist.org. And I urge you, if you're, you're thinking, wait a minute, are you saying there's no sin nature? Right. The child of God has zero sin nature. They only have the nature of the child. We have been given a righteous nature. Again, a lot more biblical teaching in that series. But you see, when we were brought into moving into that place of fully realizing that we are 100% righteous because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, we move into the place of boldly and confidently enjoying the Father's presence, not because of righteous things we have done or not hindered by sinful things we have done, but purely because of Christ, his righteousness and finished work. And finally, we move on to the place of finally getting free of self and the self-life to boldly engage in our Father's work on the earth, no longer under the domination of sin, because we are not under law, but under grace, Romans chapter 6, verse 14, and finally free to reign as kings in this life by continually receiving God's abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, living as priests and kings to reign upon the earth. Revelation 1, 6 and 5, 10. Friend, this is what this does. This is the reality of the person who has been truly born again of grace. You got it all. At the very beginning, you got 100% righteous, you were made 100% righteous, and you have all the benefits of that standing, of that place. Everything is 100% okay between you and God. You are clean. You are righteous. You are close. You have intimacy with the Father. That's what we were talking about last week. Righteousness gives us all that because of the one who was 100% perfectly righteous and who did 100% perfect righteousness accomplished 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for the gift of righteousness. Thank you, Father, for the abundance of grace so that we can reign as kings in this life, no longer as victims, no longer as orphans, but as more than conquerors, as victors in this life, as dearly loved children of God, as sons and daughters and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Father God, Thank you for your word. Thank you that this is truth from your word, the Bible. And Father, we do not rely upon human understanding, our human understanding and flesh to grasp these things. But Lord, we rely upon you, the Holy Spirit, to bring revelation, to bring illumination, so that we can see the full dimensions of Jesus our righteousness, Jesus, our wisdom, Jesus, our sanctification, 
Jesus, our redemption. Jesus, our life. And we thank you for what you're going to continue to unfold in our lives and our understanding to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.